Heavenly Father, we look for kindness, grace, mercy, love. And we ask that you would touch us tonight with your kindness through Jesus, that we might be kind and gracious and giving and caring of others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament that is sometimes translated kindness has a whole range of meanings. It's one of the major words for love in the Old Testament. Some of the older versions translate it loving kindness. Uh, newer versions will say steadfast love, or loyal love, or faithful love. And some of the really modern versions just say love. But what the word basically means is that God wants our lives to be blessed, to be of benefit. He wants things, good things to happen for us. Now, in the New Testament, the word never occurs in the Gospels, only in Paul's letters. But the idea is this being kind to others without considering yourself or without considering their response. Uh, maybe the best way to say it is this children's prayer where a child once prayed, Lord, make the bad people good and the good people nice. <laughs> it's that kind of thought that we care about others, that we're kind to them, that we show them respect, regardless of whether they respond with sincerity or heartfelt, overflowing thankfulness. The second point on the outline, you do know that the Lord's Supper is in the context of the Passover meal. And there are several ways that Jesus, by giving us this meal, is demonstrating kindness. It's not his best night. I mean, he knows what's coming. He could easily have his mind filled with dread and anxiety and fear and worry. But he gives his attentions to his disciples. And he wants them to see that the Passover meal was just a prelude to a greater meal. He knows he's going to be judged on the cross for all of the unkind things we do. But he's devoting his attention to his disciples. And there's two words that really help us to understand Jesus' kindness. Uh, Matthew just has the word covenant. Paul and Jeremiah have the new covenant. The first word I want to look at is covenant. In Greek, there's a word for covenant that is reciprocal. In other words, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. 
There's another word in Greek that is one directional. I'll do this for you, even if you don't respond appropriately. I'm going to do this because this is what you need. No contingencies, no qualifications, no reciprocity. Guess which word is the word covenant that's used throughout the Bible? It's the one dimensional. It's from God to us. That little word would open all kinds of kindness. Uh, I've I've heard too many Christian preachers say, well, God will do this for you if you do this for him. It's always conditional. But that word covenant says God's love is unconditional. This is what I'm going to do for you. And I'm, I'm just going to add a little bit to Scripture. Even if Jesus' stupid disciples don't get it. <laughs> And even if we don't always get it. The second word that is quite revelatory of what it means to be kind or for Jesus to be kind to us is the word new. In, in Greek, there's two words for new. One word is the way we usually use the word new. We got a new car. The other word for new is qualitatively different from anything you've ever experienced before. This is dramatically different than you ever encountered previously. Guess which word for new is used in the Greek Old Testament and Jeremiah and then also in the Corinthians text is this uniquely qualitatively different you've never seen this before Jesus is saying I am doing something new we tried the old way you know the mountain with the smoke and the fire and the lightning and the trumpets? And God says, if you do this, I'll do this for you. And he said, that didn't work. <laughs> Let's try a new way. I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. I'm not going to have a covenant that is an external force which is a bunch of external rules of how you have to live to desire, to gain, to deserve my love. I'm going to change you from the inside out. My love and my kindness is going to infiltrate your heart and warm it up. And you're going to be different because this is different. This is not the way the world works. That I'll love you. 
fall asleep or even if you don't care or even if you're bored. You know, I don't know how many times, you probably never counted how many times you come to the Lord's meal. It gets to be kind of old, doesn't it? I mean, same thing. It's not really that big a deal, is it? This is something new, intended to make you new. This is Christ wanting to be present in your life. And not just present, but to present to you the most significant, important event of his life. His death for you. I uh, want to offer some concluding thoughts. Do you realize that the only thing that Jesus says, do this over and over and over and over again, is the Lord's meal? Uh, he doesn't say, you know, have a ceremony to remember this about me or this about me or that about me or the other thing about me. He says, I want you to do this meal over and over again. You know, you're only baptized once. Why do we have to go to the Lord's meal repeatedly? Why does Jesus want to drill this into our brain with this repetition? Well, uh, some Christians say, well, the Lord's meal is just a little piece of grace, and you need grace every once in a while to give you a boost. That's not it at all. The Lord's meal is so that you individually and personally can participate in Jesus' death. It's not just words telling you that Jesus died. It's actually an invitation to be drawn into the Holy of Holies and to experience Jesus' death. There's nothing else like that in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you touch our hearts and our minds that you transform our lives with the power of your kindness that Jesus came. And on the evening when he was betrayed, he took time to share with us through a meal the experience of his death. May we experience that again this evening. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.